Well, before I start, I just want to stay. Before I start, I just want to say that this process of coming once a month and just finally being here, Eric and I have felt so loved by the congregation. And I just want to thank you guys for that. Um, I really feel humbled to even be here at the church and be a pastor. And I don't really know what I'm trying to say, but I'm just saying that I'm so excited to be here. And I just thank you for just your patience and your love over the last few months. It's been absolutely awesome. So with that being said, does anyone know what this is? What is it? Eight ball, right? Magic eight ball. All right, you're probably wondering why I have it up here. Um, well, first off, let me ask you this. How many of you ever used a magic eight ball? Okay. Now, let's be honest here. I, we have to start this relationship off seriously, all right? We, like with, with transparency, all right? So how many of you have actually made decisions based off of what the eight ball has said? <laughs> hey, I know you have. Don't, hey. All of you that raised your hands, you need to repent because you're lying, all right? <laughs> but we have this magic eight ball, and so, you know, you ask it questions, you, you spin it, so like, is this sermon going to go well? Let's see. Um, whoa, this doesn't want to answer it. It says, very doubtful. <laughs> okay, we're just going to put the eight ball over here. Right? You know, it's interesting, I recently watched a news article from ABC, and the title was, Want to Get Rich? Write a self-help book. Um, so we see that one of the fastest growing markets is this self-help self book, this, this wisdom literature of our time that is just offering all of these helps for life. And I'm sure some of these books up here, how many of you have some of these books or read some of these books? Uh, all right, again, we're having some people that aren't wanting to raise their hand. That's fine, it's fine. Our libraries are stuffed. Our personal libraries are stuffed with books like this. I can tell you, I probably have a good portion of those books. That's why they're up there. I've read them. Some of them I probably donated to Goodwill because I was like, this is not good. But my point is, is we have all of this. It's the fastest growing market in books is self-help books. And so it's excited. I'm excited today that we get to start a new series, a new series about something that I think is needed in our time, in our culture, and especially in the church, and that is wisdom. And so today's sermon title, or, or the sermon series title is Everyday Wisdom. All right, we're going to start this Everyday Wisdom. We're going to look at wisdom. We're going to look at the Proverbs, the book of Proverbs. And as I start off, I want to kind of give you a framework of what the Proverbs look like. And as we look at the Proverbs, we see that Proverbs isn't really just one book, it's a, a bunch of little books put together. And if you were to divide it, you would see that chapters one through nine are really the person of wisdom. You see that wisdom is personified and it's juxtaposed to folly, Madam Folly. And then when you start hitting chapter 10, through 29, you get more to the principles of wisdom. Some of those pithy sayings that we're used to, to hearing from the Proverbs, you start getting into those. And then finally, in chapters 30 and 31, you see the practice of wisdom. And we see that as we go through Proverbs, it addresses a multi multitude of practical life, life issues. And we're going to tackle some of those. It talks about relationships. It, it talks about family. It talks about jobs. It talks about 
a whole bunch of stuff. It's like the ultimate self-help book created for us by God. And we get to dive into that. Now, as we start off, and as Eric read, Proverbs are, as we see, a royal precept of wisdom. Proverbs 1.1 starts off as the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. And it's attributed to Solomon. Solomon. Now, Solomon was the wisest king, if we see inside um, the Old Testament. We also see that Solomon also had a lot of flaws, and the book of Proverbs was actually written not just by Solomon, but a few other folks that we'll talk about later. But as we read through this, I want you just to, to put on a new mindset here. So as we, as we go in here, it really has a perfect king in mind as, as giving us these precepts. And we know that the perfect king in mind cannot be Solomon, because if you read 1 Kings, Solomon was not a perfect king, and it really can't be any earthly king. In fact, these precepts are from another, none other than the perfect king, King Jesus. And so as we go and look at these Proverbs, I want you to look at the Proverbs with a Christocentric lens. I want you to look at the Proverbs with a Christ-centered lens. Just look and see Christ. Now, the Proverbs don't speak directly of Christ, but they indirectly speak of Christ. And we'll see that knowing Jesus gives us a better understanding of the Proverbs. And the Proverbs give us a better understanding of Jesus. And so as we approach this, I want you to think about that with that mindset. But today, today we are going to look at one thing. We're going to answer one question. And that question is, what is wisdom? So let's pray and ask God just to open our hearts and reveal His wisdom. Oh, Father, we come to you right now. We just pray for your wisdom. We pray for you to just supernaturally just... Open our hearts to see the truth of your word. We pray for you to just reign in this, in this service today. We love you and we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we're going to be in Proverbs 1 today. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Proverbs 1 or you can follow up on the board. And we're going to be kind of jumping around. And there's eight things that wisdom are that, that Proverbs 1 really kind of explains to us. And if you're following along in your outline, you see the first thing is wisdom is skill. Wisdom is skill. Proverbs 1-2 says, For gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight. The word wisdom in Hebrew actually means technical skill. It means technical skill, but it's not necessarily intellectual skill. It's a moral and ethical skill for life. And so we see the Proverbs and wisdom is technical skill for life. That word instruction means discipline. So we're, so we're called to have skillful discipline in the moral and ethical things of life. So if you're in, in here right now and you're, sitting, you're thinking to yourself, well, I can use a lot of wisdom. I can use some skill morally and ethically in life. Then you're in the right place. We see that wisdom isn't formulaic. And what I mean by that, it isn't like if I do A plus B, C is going to happen. It's... It's holistic. Wisdom is a way of life. It's a way of embracing. It's, it's something we do. And it's something we're not born with. You know, we have people that we revere as wise, but we're not born with wisdom. As a matter, as a matter of fact, wisdom was lost. Wisdom was lost in Genesis 3, the garden. And we seek our lives trying to regain that wisdom from God. 
And we, we see that. We see that in our own personal libraries where they're stuffed with all these self-help books. I mean, we go and we have a problem with life and we're like, okay, who, who wrote on this subject? And we go and we try to find it. And we grab a self-help help book. You know, I'm bad with people. Let me get a relationship book on how to make better friends. Or, you know, I'm really struggling financially. Let me grab this book. And, you know, some of the wisdom in there isn't necessarily bad. I and mean, some of it's absolutely horrible and horrific. All right? But some of it's not bad. It's actually not bad advice. But we seek this. We crave this because there's a deficiency of wisdom deficiency. So that's the first thing. The second thing is we see that wisdom is practical. Proverbs 1.3 says, it's for receiving or to will, willingly grasp instruction and prudent behavior, doing what is right. And it's not just doing what is right as we define right, but what, as, as God defines what right is. You see the difference here? We're very subjective on that, but God has a sense of what is right and what is wrong, and you want to grasp that. He also is for doing what is right and just and fair. And so we see that wisdom is practical. It's meant to be practice. Practice, not philosophically pondered. You ever have those, those people that know the right thing to do? Have you ever been that person? You know the right thing to do and you just ponder it, but you do nothing with it? Or maybe you see someone. It's, it's a lot easier to see someone make mistakes, isn't it? You're like, man, they should have did that and they philosophically ponder what the right thing to do is, well, wisdom is meant to be practiced. We're supposed to be practitioners of God's wisdom. And here's the thing. Wisdom, the objective of wisdom is to enable us to live life successful, successfully as God has defined success. See, we have an idea of success and God has a, an idea of success. In wisdom, we are called to embrace to live a successful life as God has defined success. And it's not simply just this behavior change. Listen, I could change behavior in somebody. I mean, mothers and fathers, you do a great job. Mothers are the best at it. They could change their kids' behavior quick. All right? And you guys know what I'm talking about. Right? There's, if I want to change the behavior of my dog, you know, we have our dog, Dottie. You know, she eats food, and after she gets food, she gets a bone. And now she knows every time she eats food, she gets a bone. Right? I just changed her behavior, but God isn't looking for behavior change. He's looking for heart change. There's a whole difference here. It, it, it speaks to the affections and the motivations. It's a deeper understanding. And when we embrace wisdom and we, and we actually do it instead of philosophically pondering it, it should be our joy because we're living it in obedience to God, yet... Some of us treat it like doing chores. You ever had that kid where you're like, like my son Brian, he's 19, he's still, when he was young, he'd be like, Brian, can you take the garbage out? Uh, uh. Any of you have a kid like that? Yeah, you do. He's laughing. So I know you do. It's, it's one of those things where, but that's how we treat God sometimes. We're like, oh, you want me to do that? You say that's the wise thing to do? Uh, I guess I'll do it. Because I'm supposed to. But God's like, no, your delight, your joy, your satisfaction should be doing it. Because you're living in obedience to me. You see the difference? So that's the second thing. The third thing. Wisdom is supernatural. As I said, wisdom isn't something that we're born with. Proverbs 1.6 says, For understanding Proverbs and parables and the sayings and the riddles of the wise. Wisdom is something that is not natural, yet it is supernatural. 
God shows it to us. He, he shows it to us in the person of Jesus Christ. He shows it to us in his word. And we're going to look at that in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is a supernatural book because the Bible is a supernatural book. It doesn't mean you can't understand it through natural means, but God works through it in the supernatural means. We'll explain that. The Holy Spirit works in us as we look at this and reveals this wisdom to us. And we know that God is the source of all true wisdom. And God chooses how and when and how much to reveal his wisdom to us. And guess what, folks? He has chosen to reveal his word to us. That's like, that doesn't like just make you crumble and go, thank you, Lord. I don't know what, what would. And he's speaking to us right here in Proverbs and throughout his whole scripture. Luke 24, 45 says, then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. And that's my prayer for us this this. This, month, this uh, summer, as we look at the Proverbs, that God would just open our hearts and our minds to reveal His Word. So it's supernatural. It's a reliance on God. The fourth thing, wisdom is beautiful. Proverbs 1.9 says, They are a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. Wisdom is such a beautiful thing. Have you ever seen someone that is just living, just in obedience and wisely to the Lord. Have you ever seen someone like that? Like they just have this sense, this, this sense like the Holy Spirit is just empowering them through life and they're just, they love the Lord and, they, and they, they just live this wise life. It's so beautiful to see. And some of us look at those people and we go and we're like, I wish I could have that. Some of us even get a little jealous of it. And God's saying, guess what? You can't have it. That's what I've revealed to you. It's a beautiful thing. I almost think of it as a, a medal. You know, when I was when I get my full um, Marine Corps dress blues, I have I have these anodized medals. And you walk around with them, and you know the, the light hits them, and they just shine all over the place. And that's how we, we are called to wear wisdom. We're called to wear it. We're called to boast in God's wisdom, not because we're so smart, but because God has so graciously shown us his wisdom, and it glorifies God in how we live our lives. So that's the, the fourth thing. The fifth thing, I know I'm going through these pretty fast, because I'm going to touch on a, a few things here soon. The fifth thing, wisdom is for everyone. Proverbs 1, 4, and 5 says, it's forgiving prudence to those who are simple. Simple is someone who's very gullible or lacks common sense. I think we know a couple of people in our lives like that. It's for knowledge and discretion to the young. So we get that, people who are gullible, people who are young. It's also let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance. So wisdom is for everyone. It's for the wise, it's for the simple, it's for the young, it's for everyone. How could that be? You know, when I first met Erica, she, she used to do this underwater cave diving in Florida. I don't know if you've ever seen pictures of that. It's absolutely creepy. I, I would never do that. All right, I've done some weird things and crazy things, but I would not go cave diving. diving. I don't know, it's just, no. Um, but she would tell me of these caverns you go down in Florida. It's like this like little tiny hole. You jump in with your diving gear, and it's like these mazes and these 
these caves just go forever. Like, there's no end to it. And that's God's wisdom. God's wisdom is inexhaustible. It's inexhaustible. You're never going to plumb the depths of God's, God's wisdom. You're never going to go, oh, hey, that's all you know? Cool, God, that's great. And walk away and go, well, I learned all I, I learned from you. It's inexhaustible. And let me tell you this. Like, here's one of the most amazing things about heaven. Like, just grasp this for me, just for a second. Every single day, we're going to learn something new about God, and it'll never end. Every single day, we're going to learn something new about God. He's going to reveal another facet of His glory, another facet of His wisdom, and it'll never end. And the more His glory and wisdom that He reveals, the more satisfaction and joy that we will have. I'm pausing there because I want you to like, let that soak in. It's all right if you like respond. It's cool. Like I'm from California, I'm not from New England, so I won't take offense to it. All right, you can say "Amen," you can say all that. <laughs> Listen, this is a, this is a serious thing. This is a big thing. God, God chose, chooses us to reveal His wisdom and His glory to us, and it's inexhaustible. Fathom that. Think about that today. Think about who you are and who God is. So that's the fifth thing, the sixth thing. Wisdom is relational. Wisdom is relational. We see that wisdom is relational on a lot of levels. First off, we see wisdom is transferred relationally in the home. Proverbs 1.8 says, listen or shema. Listen and do something is what that means. My son, to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. So we see that wisdom starts with parents. It starts with people in the home and that transfer that happens in the home in, the, in a relational context. We also see that wisdom is transferred relationally from the Father to His creation. Like, you walk outside and God has revealed His general wisdom to us, to everyone, in some way, shape, or form. That's why a person who doesn't even have a relationship with Christ can obtain some sort of wisdom because in God's common grace, He's decided to show us all some wisdom. Whether people want to believe it or not, everyone has a relationship with God on some level. Either generally or in a special way through Jesus Christ. But God in His common grace has just shown a certain level of His wisdom to us all. So we see wisdom is transferred that way in a general sense. We also, we also see that wisdom is to be embraced relationally like a loved one. My daughter Madison, you'll meet her soon. She gives great hugs. Like, you know, you know, sometimes you give those friend hugs, you're like, hey, you know, and you walk away, and you're like, that was kind of weird, you know. Um, but you have those people in your life where you give them a hug and they just like grasp onto you. Like you feel like this person really like loves me and they, they never want to let me go. Like, that's my daughter, Madison. She gives great, great hugs. And we're called to embrace wisdom like that. To just grasp onto wisdom and not let it go and, and just cherish wisdom. Proverbs 4, 8 says, cherish her, her being wisdom, and she will exalt you. Embrace her and she will honor you. We're called to embrace wisdom. 
Lastly, we're called to relationally embrace wisdom incarnate, or wisdom in the flesh, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ must be embraced. Proverbs 1, 22 and 23 says, this is wisdom speaking, wisdom personified. How long will you who are simple love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in, in mockery and fools hate knowledge? Repent at my rebuke, then I will pour out my thoughts to you. I will make known to you my teachings. I want you to do something for me. I want you to, I want to reread that again, but I want to reread it with a, a Christocentric lens. This is, this, is, this is in the context of this verse. This is happening in the public square. So put on our Christocentric lens and listen to this. How long will you who are simple love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? Repent at my rebuke. Then I will pour out my thoughts or my ruha. That word ruha, that Hebrew word thoughts, could also be spirits. Then I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make known to you my teachings. Christ is calling out to all of us and he's saying, repent. Repent. I want to pour out my thoughts, my spirit to you. Repent. Repent. Why? Because we are all sinners and we must admit that. We must admit that apart from God, we deserve hell. Hell is a real thing. It's not this magical land. It's, it's real. That real people go to. And we repent of that. We, we go and we say, Lord, I'm sorry for sinning against you. And you believe. You believe that Jesus Christ lived. He died a perfect life. He lived a, he lived a perfectly skillful, wise life so that it could be imputed to us when we put our faith in Him. And so when God looks upon us, He doesn't see a sinner anymore. He sees His perfect Son. That's who he sees. He doesn't see all the mistakes we've made. He sees the wise living of his son, Jesus Christ. And I pray that if you're here today and you do not know Christ, that we'd love to talk to you here over here on the side. Jesus Christ is just he's calling out to us in his public spread. So wisdom is relation. Seventh, wisdom is protection. Proverbs 1, 32 and 33. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease, without fear or harm of harm. Proverbs 4, 6 says, Do not forsake wisdom, and she will protect you. Love her, and she will watch over you. You know, we think, we think we're so smart. We think we know what's good for us, what will make us happy. And so we do all these things in our life. We move, you know, we move here, we move there, we do this, we do that. And then we end up not happy and we wonder why. And the thing is, is it's because we're rejecting wisdom. God's wisdom. And here's the thing. When we reject wisdom, we reject God's sovereign protection over our lives. It just doesn't have an effect on you. It has an effect on your relationship with God. And in a... In, Let me make this analogy. I've really been thinking about this. So you go to the doctor, and you're like, I'm really struggling with this, whatever, this ailment. And the doctor says, do A, B, and C. And you go, nah, I'm not going to do that. And you wonder why things aren't going the way they should be going. 
And God has given us a sovereign prescription for life. And some of us go, eh, I don't want to do that. And there are consequences for rejecting wisdom. There's consequences in the home, relationally. There's consequences financially. There's consequences, you name them. You know, when I was a kid, my dad got into a little bit of trouble. My dad doesn't mind telling me telling the story. And he embraced folly instead of wisdom and it had an entire effect on the family. He went away to jail for a while. It was very difficult. But I want to encourage you, if you're in here and you're stuck in that, you're stuck in some sort of life-dominating sin, some sort of thing that is, you know you're not living wisely in accordance to God, but there's redemption and grace in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because that story turned out well. It took a while, but God really redeemed that story. God's a great redeemer of stories. So if you're there, if you're in this room and you're just in this, this, this despair, repent and follow Christ. Look to Him. Live wisely. God is here. He's given you a sovereign prescription for life. Finally, number eight, wisdom is reverence. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. This is the foundation for the entire book of Hebrews, or of Proverbs. Entire book of Proverbs. It's the fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord means this reverence, this reverent fear. Why? Because God is the creator of God. He's the creator of God. There's this reverence. And to fear Him is to submit to Him. To regard Him with a, a sense of awe and a sense of wonder. When was the last time you just revered God with this, with this sense of wonder? The sense of awe. What did you? What was the last time you just looked at something and you were just like, "God, I just can't believe this." The culture tells us that morals are relative, ethics are situational, and we should have an open mind to everything. And God says, "I am the moral lawgiver. I cannot be open-minded to evil and error." And we need to take that seriously. And he has every right to do that because he's the creator of God. And we see that and we say, thank you, God, that you do that. And here's the thing. God's wisdom is applicable to the entire world because he is the creator. He has the last say. He sets the rules. And this is where Proverbs sets itself apart from any other wisdom literature. Because God, are, God is giving these precepts. It's God who has the authority. You know, when someone tells you, gives you a precept, gives you a rule to follow, you only follow it, you follow it based off of the authority who's, of the person giving. You know what I'm saying? So like, you ever seen brothers and sisters, like the older brother goes to the like slightly younger sister, like go do that, and the sister's like, yeah, whatever. You know, like or there's usually a fight that ensues. Um, but if dad comes in and says, do that, it happens, right? This is God. He's saying, do that. This is a big deal, guys. This is a huge deal. Some of us are like the little sister. Eh, not going to do it. 
So why don't we embrace the Proverbs like we embrace, embrace the self-help book? I want you to think about that as we go through this. I got a challenge for you. And we're all going to do this. Like, no more monthly thing where I come back. This is an every week thing. I'm doing this as well. Keep me accountable. We're going to read the Proverbs. I'm challenging you to read the Proverbs every day during this series of the summer. Go slowly. Meditate on it. I mean, look at it. Go every word. Just take your time with it. Pray through it. Find Christ in it. And then apply it. If you read it, read it again. Because God's wisdom is inexhaustible. Take your time with it and enjoy it. I want to challenge us as a congregation to do that this summer. Will you guys join me in that? Thank you. You know, here's the thing as I close. Proverbs is about restoring the wisdom that we lost in the garden in Genesis 3. We get a chance to restore that through the power of Jesus Christ by reading his word. The Father has revealed this you know, his wisdom through the Proverbs, through Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I pray that this is the summer that we all become more reverent, more in awe of God, more obedient, more submissive, and that our life changes in a more wisely direction. Let's pray. Well, Father God, we thank you. We thank you that you give us your royal precepts. We thank you that you just don't leave us Hang. I pray that we all just have a sense of awe and wonder with you, Father. Lord Jesus, we thank you for what you did on the cross for us. And we pray that your spirit would just supernaturally impart wisdom to us. I pray that we would all be diligent as we just plumb the depth, depths of your wisdom in your word. We love you. We love you so much and we want to just immediately follow you. Help us in this. Help our deficiencies, Lord. Help us in this. We ask this in Jesus' name.